Hallelujah. Glory to God. Just before we receive Holy Communion this morning, I just want to talk to you a little while, and I can't even look at that clock at all because it says quarter till nine. I knew it. I thought it was fast. It's actually way behind. So if it's a quarter of nine, boy, we're going to have a time. We're going to have a time. Hallelujah. I'm going to let you all out at 12 noon. Seeing that it's quarter of nine. Can you say amen? God is good today. Hallelujah. This is going to be a great year. No pun intended. It's going to be huge. Can you say amen? It's going to be that good. I believe that. I believe it. I believe it. I'm expecting according to your faith. Be it unto thee. So be it unto thee according to your faith. And David said, my expectation is from thee, O God. I will look unto the hills, not the pills. Come on, let's get it right. I will look unto the hills from whence cometh my help. For my help cometh from the Lord. Did you know if you can get help from God, you're not going to need so much of the other material things to help you. If we can get God's favor, if we can get God's help, and He's present to help, that's the glory of this. Psalm 46 says, God is our refuge and our strength, a very present help in the time of trouble. That means we don't have to get His attention. That means we don't have to try to get Him to care. That means we don't try, have to try to get Him to listen. That means when trouble comes, He sees it coming and He draws near. we got to remember that. When trouble comes in your life and mine, He sees it coming and He draws near. He can't be a very present help if he isn't drawing near when the trouble comes. The problem is when trouble comes, our emotions get in the way of us sensing and acknowledging his presence to help. And a lot of time we push the panic button. And Satan is counting on us pushing the panic button instead of waiting on the Lord. For they that wait upon the Lord shall Renew what has already... How many has ever been hit with a problem? It's like somebody... Has anybody had the wind knocked out of you? Have you been hit in the stomach? Have you ever fallen? One time, of all places to get the wind knocked out of me, it was in church. I didn't know it because I was a young Christian. My pastor was there. His wife was there. There was an evangelist in a tent. And people were falling out under the power of God. And I thought, you know how you want to be accepted when you're a young Christian and, you know, you get a little bit older and you say, I'm accepted in the beloved. So it's not so much about getting people to, to acknowledge me as knowing where I stand with the Lord. Can you say, man? And I went up and they laid hands on me and I didn't fall. And I thought, they're going to think I'm backslid. So I went ahead and fell. The sawdust floor, I figured, you know, it's not like a mattress, but it's, you know, I just, I just went ahead and fell. I, in my flesh, went ahead and fell. Now, when somebody prays for you and you don't fall, and you want to fall, don't fall. Okay, amen. You don't have to fall for God to touch you, God to heal you. You've got to believe for God to help you. 
I've seen people fell out in every service, but they never believed God for their need. Amen? But I fell. And they didn't have a catcher. And if you fall without a catcher in the Holy Ghost, He'll catch you. And it won't hurt you. Your daughter fell forward when I prayed for her. Catchers was behind her. Chipped the end off of this right here. I'm going to tell you something. If you hit your head hard, she did have a knot on her head, but she didn't feel it at first. Maybe it got sore when she got home. I don't know. A little bit. I'll tell you, it scared me. And, you know, if if everything's in the Holy Ghost, I'm not worried about anything. But if there's a chance that that, that something happened that wasn't fully directed by the Spirit, you can get into trouble. And I thought, Lord, I don't want nobody hurt. I want them helped. (laughs) And when I saw an end off of this had been knocked off by somebody's head hitting it, they fell face forward and didn't try to stop themselves, I was deeply concerned. But the Holy Ghost came on me when I got deeply concerned and said, say, God's got it. Because everybody was concerned and I was concerned and everybody, what? What? And I said, God's got it. God's got it. God's got it. God's got it. God's taking care of it. Praise God. Hallelujah. God's in control. God's on the throne. God's got it. Hallelujah. And when God's got it, we don't have to sweat it. If he's got it. But he don't have it unless we give it to him. All right. Having said that, this Holy Communion should set a standard for this coming year. And the standard should be that we're going to, we're going to pray and believe. And we're going to receive from the Lord. This should be a year of answered prayer. And the first building block of answered prayer is the love of God. Not the power of God. So the shift has to become to the power. Generally, when we want to build faith, we talk of His power. I'm going to tell you something. I got all the faith in the world in His power. Amen? I believe that He can do the humanly impossible. If He can't, there is no God. We've made him up. He's a figment of our imagination. He does not truly exist. He's a panacea for our problems. Amen. But he distinguished himself with power. Amen. He said that every idol uh, that every pagan group of people have made them, every idol have eyes, but they can't see. They have ears, but they can't hear. They have hands, but they can't help you. Can you say amen? And that's why Bill's prophets freaked out trying to get a man-made God to move and show his power. Can you say amen? I'm going to tell you something about idols. Covetousness, which is idolatry, according to the New Testament. Amen. And to preach a message that causes us to covet, you want a car like I drive, a house like I have, then you give to me so you can have what I got. That's covetousness. And that's idolatry. Can you say amen? Be content if you're a Christian. You're a real Christian. Be content with such things as ye have. For he hath said, I will never leave thee 
nor forsake thee, that we might boldly say, The Lord is my helper. Where does help come from? Help comes from the Lord. The Bible said help doesn't come from the north, the south, the east, or the west, but help comes from the Lord. So he told ancient Israel that he was in covenant with, Fear not, I am with thee. I will help thee. Can you say amen? Glory to God. I will help thee. I will help thee. I will help thee. Covetousness. Thou shalt not covet. Covet. Listen carefully to this. It's so important. We have a message out there today that teaches covetousness. That brings people into idolatry without them realizing. You know, there's a lot of things you don't realize you're getting into. If you could see it for what it was. If the cloak came off that Satan had put on it. Rebellion. Of course, God says to ancient Israel, rebellion. Everybody say rebellion. rebellion. And don't think there's not rebellion in our flesh. Foolishness is bound in the heart of a child, but the rod of correction driveth it far from him. Amen. Amen. Does anybody here know about the rod of correction? Anybody here know about that? You know, a lot of people never heard of it. Amen. I got to know it very well. If you met my mild daddy, you'd think I'd never heard of it. You say, did he abuse you? No, he loved me. Amen. There wasn't a time I got a spanking from my daddy that he didn't take me on his knee. And, of course, he did tell me some things before the spanking that I didn't receive. Like, this is going to hurt me more than it hurt you because I didn't understand that it actually hurt him to have to chasten me. But as I grew older, I did understand that when I had children of my own. Amen. Now listen to me really carefully. This is so important that we get it today. The love of God is the first principle of faith. Faith which worketh by love. We've known and believed the love that God has for us. For God is love. This is not about His power, His omnipotence, omnipotent. Amen. This is about His Not about his omniscience, his knowledge of you and knowledge of your circumstance. His eye is on the sparrow. I know he's watching me. Can you say man? This is not about his omnipresence. The three characteristics that distinguish him. He is simultaneously everywhere in the universe and everywhere we are. Omnipresent. God doesn't have to come to you. He's there with you. He's a very present. Oh, I don't think you heard me. God doesn't have to come to you. He's there with you in the new covenant. The veil that kept him from us and us from him has been rent in twain. And not only can we go essentially behind the veil that's been split to allow us access with boldness and confidence to the very presence of this holy God but he can come and manifest himself to us and keep a personal promise to us through Christ I will never leave you he has said what what did he say I will never leave you well if he'll never leave us that means he's with us he's with us right here and right now can you say man he's in the present tense in our life I will never oh now Pentecostals hear this He doesn't show up 
when you feel him. That's an enemy to your faith. You don't acknowledge his presence when you sense his presence. Somebody said, I'm seeking God and heaven seems like it's brass. Well, that's a lie. Heaven isn't brass. He said, I'm different from man-made God. They got eyes that can't see. My eyes are on the righteous. Hallelujah. <laughs> Praise God. They got ears, but they don't, can't hear. And because they can't hear, they can't help. They have hands, but they can't help you. Amen. You know, I want to tell some people that, that have embraced false religions, call upon your God. See what He can do for you. Call on Him. Call on Him. Where's He at? Is He out to lunch? Is He out to lunch? Eyes that can't see, ears that can't hear, hands that can't touch. You know what God wants to restore? He wants to restore to His people His presence and His power. He'd like to answer our prayers and bless our lives. Hallelujah. So we get rid of the poor old me's and we get the victory again. We shout His praise. Hallelujah. And the joy of our salvation is restored. Hallelujah. Pentecostal don't mean what it used to mean. Being part of a Pentecostal denomination used to mean you were walking in the Spirit, talking in the Spirit, living in the Spirit, and enjoying the power and presence of God in your life. Come to church, it felt like static electricity. Hallelujah. Praise God. Did you ever, did you ever do like that on a new carpet? And then touch something metal? And watch the spark fly. You never did that? You never did that? Oh, this was pre-Nintendo. Can you say, man? We had to make our own fun. You do like that, you create static electricity, and you touch something, and a spark would fly. A spark would fly. They, te- they used to tell you because of static electricity, don't work on your computer until you, you get rid Ground yourself before you mess with stuff in there because a little spark can fly and short something out. It's that sensitive, some of that stuff in there. Amen. We used to come into church and the sparks would fly. Can you say, man, it wasn't static electricity. It was the power and manifest presence of God. Hallelujah. Our God is a powerful God. But He's also a personal God. Hallelujah. Amen. And Pentecostals got so enamored and so focused on his power. Amen. Because there was so lack of it in so many denominations. And we just rejoiced in the power of God. But you don't fall in love with power. You can only fall in love with a person. And faith can't stand in acknowledging his power. Faith has to stand in his person, his purpose, and his promise. Everybody say his person, his purpose, and his promise. You say, well, how do I know what his purpose is? Find a promise. Because whatever he purposes, he goes on record by giving a promise. He came into a covenant with Abraham. The Old Testament is not just an old, antiquated book. It's the Old Covenant. And the covenant is going on. The covenant is ongoing. 
The covenant that he cut with Abraham is ongoing, enhanced by a new and better covenant established on better promises. For the blood of Jesus Christ speaks of better things than the blood of bulls and goats. Can you say man? Hallelujah. We have a better covenant established on what? Better promises. Hallelujah from the Lord. And let me take you back to the old covenant. Okay? Since we got a better one and better promises, let's look at the old covenant. Psalm 103. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. I believe we could all say this this morning. There's more in me to bless Him with. Amen. I just don't think I've seen all yet. The fact is, if this is all we got, then we're in trouble. Amen. We need, we, need, we need to bless the Lord like we love the Lord and serve the Lord. Thou shalt love the Lord with how much of your heart? Thou shalt love Him with all thy soul, all your mind, and all your strength. Can you say, man, put your whole life into it. Glory to God with everything you are and everything you have. I'm getting ready to turn 70. And because of the joy of the Lord, I believe, which is our strength. Amen. Amen. I'm better off. I know I'm better off. My son, my oldest son is 53 this month. He turned 53. I'm getting ready to turn 70. And he told me the other day, he said, Dad, I wish I felt as good as you do. <laughs> I wish I felt like you felt. I'm not telling you that I haven't slowed down and paced myself. But I am telling you in my spirit, I'm a young man. I'm young blood in my spirit. Amen. This man right here, it's inside of him too. Amen. He may not take off running. He may take off Amen. Just a little bit slower. But down in his spirit, he's running some Sundays. I guarantee you in his spirit, he's running some Sundays. And I'm not through running yet. Remember at our church, at the Holy Church of God? Amen. Sister Marlena used to sing, I've been running for Jesus a long time and I'm not tired yet. Well, there's a lot of tired people. Amen. And in the physical, they want you to take a tonic for it. They call it iron poor tired blood. And what you need is what my dad used to drink by the gallon, seemed like. Beef, iron, and wine. Pentecostals, be very careful here. We're treading on thin ice. Amen. There wasn't enough alcohol to do anything to you. Understand, this is supposed to be a health tonic. Beef, iron, and wine. I don't know how they got the beef in there squeezed out. Just eat barbecue and, and drink grape juice, and it'll be real close. Can you say <laughs> Amen. Hallelujah. But I know one thing. When we got in the presence of God, the joy of the Lord was our strength. And, and I wanted to just believe so bad. I wanted to believe God. And I heard about His power. I heard power, power. When we sung about the power in the blood, we tripled the power part. There is power, power, wonder-working power in the blood of the Lamb. There is power. We tripled it. There is power, 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 
wonder working. We tripled it. That wasn't even enough. There's power, power, power. And you got to sing fast, almost talk in tongues to get three powers into that song without slowing it down. Can you? Oh, by then we had it cranked up. <laughs> the pianist playing faster than we could sing. There is power, 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 power. Hallelujah. And we were after the power. We were so after the power, many of us missed the person. And faith comes by hearing. And when you open the Bible, you're not just looking for a promise initially. You're looking for a person. To get to know a person enough to trust him. To trust him. Trust him. Now, God loves by covenant. That's what I want to get across. He's a covenant-making, covenant-keeping God. God is a promise-keeper. Say, God is a promise-keeper. Whereby are given to us exceeding great and precious promises. That by these, you might be partakers of the divine nature. Hallelujah. Having overcome the lust that is in the world. Partaking of exceeding great and precious promises. Hallelujah. Hath he not said it? And will he not do it? I guarantee you if you'll search the scripture, there's a promise addressing your situation right now. However, the promise was made by a person. And faith to receive the promise... The Bible said you have need of patience, Hebrews 10 in verse 32. It starts out with, actually, but you, after you were illuminated, after you came to Christ, after your blind eyes were opened, and you saw your lost condition, your need for a Savior, after you were illuminated, the God of this world has blinded the minds of men, but after you were what? Illuminated. Hallelujah. Everything went smooth. Everything was Jake. Jake means good in motorcycle language from the 60s. Could you say amen? Everything was just fine and just dandy every day. We tried to walk that out, but it didn't work, did it? Amen. I don't have problems. All I have is solutions. Oh, my dear brother. Can you say amen? You're going to find something out. Amen. Satan fights what he fears. And after you were illuminated, you endured a great fight. Of afflictions. This is not diseases. Amen. There's a healing covenant. This afflictions. Afflictions. Troubles. Trials. Tests. A great fight. It's not a run in your hose on Sunday morning. A lot of you saw that problem. Don't wear them hose. Can you say amen? It's not a low tire, so you have to stop and put air in it to get on to church. Or a flat tire. Why should I have a flat tire on the way to church? It never happens on my way to work. Amen? Get the why out of all of this. Tires go flat. Trump ain't got a car in his garage. Jay Leno doesn't own a car in his classic car collection. that don't get a flat tire. I used to think people were putting nails. I actually thought people were putting nails under my tires. I'd get a brand new set of tires and get a nail in. And I thought, where did that nail come from? And I, st- I went on a real search for that. 
And I'd been parking under a little carport we have, and there's an oak tree over here. And I blow everything from the carport over to the side with my blower. And I remember sometimes I would need to do a little something over there, and I would park over there underneath the tree where I had blown everything. And if they had got a toolbox out, cleaned out my van, and they would fall out, where is it going to go? I'm going to blow it out of here, and I'm going to blow it over there. Where am I going to park, forgetting that I blow, not looking? I'm going to park over there. And I found out the guy putting nails in round tires was me. <laughs> Amen? So park where you know that you've blown the nails over there. Don't park over there no more. Now, if you come to my house, you can park over there. But No, I'm just kidding. I wouldn't have you do that. You parked in my driveway, didn't you? Didn't get a nail, did you? Boom, over there. Hallelujah. Things are going to happen. Things are going to happen in life. In this world, you're going to have tribulation. Cheer up. I've overcome the world. One translation said, I've robbed it of power to harm you. I've robbed it of power to harm you. The eyes of the Lord, Psalm 34, verse 15, are upon the righteous. His ears are open to their cry. Hallelujah. Because I love you is one of the greatest foundations for faith in all of the Word of God. Hallelujah. Because I love you. Because I love you. God didn't make a covenant with Abraham for any other reason except he wanted to show his love to his people. And it's a covenant promise. It's a covenant promise. I spent the first 10 years of my Christian experience trying to do things to get God to love me, to get him to love me. And he loved me before I got saved with all the love he'll ever have to give anybody. He couldn't bless me. He couldn't keep me. He couldn't deliver me from the enemy until I received him as my Savior, repented of my sins. But he loved me before I became a Christian with all the love he had to give. For greater love than this has no man than a man would lay down his life for his friends. And God commends His love to us in that while I was trying to earn what was mine before I even came to Christ. Thank you for the hearty amens. I know there's people you don't love, but God loves them. You don't even like them. I thought, Lord help us. We're going to have a lot of disobedient Christians if Hillary becomes president. You know why? Because the Bible said pray for kings and those in authority. And some of you in your heart says, Why I ought to get her, God. You wouldn't have had Saul of Tarsus as an apostle. You would have disqualified him. Persecutor of the church. Proud, arrogant, Sanhedrin, amen, religionist. God loved him. God got a hold of him. God saved him. God sanctified him. And God used him to write that you would have, you would have probably rejected. And I would have too if I didn't know the, how God's love worked. Amen. And God made him such a spokesman for him. He wrote 13 of the 27 books of the New Testament. How many people would have prayed for Hillary? 
I didn't say pray for God to kill her. I'm just saying prayed for her. Amen. I'm serious. You know, he said, if you want to find out if you really love me and you're really a servant of mine, disciple of mine, pray for them. Pray for your enemies. And do good to them that despitefully use you. Now, honey, that is not resident in your flesh. You'll have to crucify your flesh. Overrule your flesh. Override your flesh. But when you do, the Holy Spirit's going to take over. Love is not a feeling, darlings. It's not what you feel. Don't say, well, when I feel love for them, I'm going to pray for them. No, you may never feel love. Love is what you do. Love is what you do. That's why the Bible said before you get the feeling back, do you, if you've lost your first love with the Lord, do your first works. Don't wait for a feeling. Don't stay at an altar until you feel, Oh, I really want to serve God now. Oh, I feel His presence. Oh, I love you, Jesus. I want to serve you. No, do your first works. And it's in the doing of the works that the rekindling of the flame will come. Start reading the Word again. Well, I, I don't ever read anymore. Don't get nothing out of it. Honey, if you start doing it again, after repenting of losing the first love and looking to be back where you were with God, Holy Spirit's going to make sure that you get something out of it. Can you say man? He's going to fan the flame and rekindle the flame of the first love. You can lose it in your marriage. You can just begin to drift apart. It's easy for it to happen. Do your first works. Amen. Get her flowers when it's not Valentine's Day. Just bring home a bouquet. She'll wonder what you've been up to. Can you say amen? <laughs> amen. What did you do? It's not Valentine's Day. What did you do? What in the world did you do? Rekindle the flame of the first love. Shocker! And do the dishes one night. When it ain't your night to do the dishes. We kind of rotate at our house. Sometimes we let them sit there for a while. Let them soak. <laughs> They're much easier, much easier to clean if you let them soak overnight. <laughs> but my wife just hates to get up to a sink full of dirty dishes. It's just not a good way to start your day. Amen. So sometimes I just get up and I say, here's me an opportunity to do some of my first works. Because when the first love was burning, I wanted to please that woman. Got one holy murmur, one amen, everybody else saying, what? I wanted to please her. Hey, it worked both ways. You remember? She wanted to please me. Where you want, Our big argument. Where you want to go eat, honey? I don't care. Wherever you want to go. Well, honey, where do you want to go? Well, where do you want to go? Well, I want to go where you want to go. Well, that's just it. I want to go where you want to go. Big argument. Trying to please each other. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
when the first love is rekindled. And how is it rekindled? Number one, you don't get the first love back by starting to love God suddenly more. You get the first love back by receiving love from Him. We've known and believed the love that God has for us. For God is love. Hallelujah. We love Him because He said, you better get it back. I'm going to take your candlestick. No, because He first loved us. It's not the threat of losing the anointing or our witness or our testimony. When you start doing your first works, you're going to go right back to the cross. You're going to see Jesus once again dying in your place on that cross. And you're going to look back over your life and say, Lord, you've forgiven me. All that past is gone. And all these mess-ups along the way is gone. As I repent and come before you, Lord, I want to love you back for loving me. The kingdom will be first in your life once again. Your priorities are going to change. And everything that you need is going to be added to you. God, this is going to be a year of blessing for people who put the kingdom first. But you'll never put the kingdom first until the king is first. But when the king is first, his kingdom comes in us. Hallelujah. His will will be done in us as it is in heaven. And then it can be done through us. Can you say man? But if it can't be done in us, it can't be done through us. God needs a pure, clear channel to work through. Hallelujah. I don't just seek the Lord for the sermon. I seek the Lord for the Lord. Hallelujah. I used to prepare the message. Now I prepare the messenger. I study to show myself approved. But my seeking is not to find the message, but to serve the Lord with my life and all of my being. Hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. Let me read you two scriptures before we receive communion today. Psalm 105, verse 6 through 9. Now, 6 is the Old Testament Abrahamic covenant people it's addressing. It doesn't stop with them. It doesn't stop with them. Before I read verse 6 and you leave that in the Old Covenant, Galatians in the New Testament says, they that are of the household of faith, how many people have come to God by faith in Jesus Christ? You're part of a household of faith. Jew, Greek, bond, and free. We are one in Jesus Christ. This new covenant has brought the Gentiles in to that covenant plus the covenant established by the blood of Christ. Hallelujah. They that are of the household of faith are what? Church members in the first church of what's happening now. No, they're Abraham's seed by faith. And the blessing of faithful Abraham has come on them. Can you say man? And the blessing of faithful Abraham. We don't have a less covenant. We've got a better covenant. I didn't even read you the lesser covenant. 
Can I finish it in Psalm 103? Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless His holy name who forgives all of thine iniquities, who heals all of thy diseases, who satisfies thy mouth with good things so that thy youth is renewed like the eagles, who delivers thy soul from destruction. Oh, it's enough to make David dance again. Can you say man? And we have a what? A better covenant. Established on better promises. But it's all about a covenant. That's why when we receive Holy Communion, Jesus said, this is the new covenant in my blood. You've got a Bible separated by covenants. Not testaments like my last will and testament. Oh, this is way stronger than a will. This is a covenant that God Himself has entered into with those that would come to Him and trust in Him by faith. Wow! A covenant. Say it with me. A covenant. Your Old Testament, the word testament means covenant in the Hebrew. The New Testament, the word testament means covenant in the Greek. And the Aramaic that Jesus spoke. So they didn't see New Testament, Old Testament. They say, Old Covenant, New Covenant. Everywhere they turned, they saw covenant. The Bible's in covenant language. And that's why the blood of Jesus is so powerful. Because it established a new covenant. And God is a covenant-keeping God. And the first blessing of Abraham has nothing to do with the material world, but it provides for it. And it was God's love set upon a little old stiff-necked, hard-hearted, rebellious nation. little piece of land that he called his land for them to live in that's about the size of New Jersey. The most controversial piece of land on the planet. Can you say, man, the most sought after and fought over? And it's still in that condition today. And I'm going to tell you something. Here's one thing I'm praying for kings and those that are in authority. Don't curse Israel. Can you say, man, do not do it. They're not always right politically. But God's in covenant. Oh, you didn't hear me. I said that you don't have to agree with all of their policies, but they have a covenant with God. And part of the covenant said, I'll bless them that bless you. And I'll curse them that curse you. So those nations that are set on the destruction of Israel, they're under God's curse. It's not the United Nations. It's not the United States. It's God and His covenant. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, by the way, when you come into the covenant, hallelujah, through the blood of Jesus Christ, He's going to bless them that bless you. And He's going to curse them that curse you. He's going to defend you. Thou, O Lord, art a shield about me. My glory. And the lifter of my head. Pentecostals initially were feeling oriented. And that's why it's so difficult for us to stand in faith like we need to. How do you know you had a good church service? Preacher didn't even get to preach. Well, it is a good one when God takes over. But he better preach sometime. Because faith doesn't come by you running the aisle. Faith doesn't come by you falling out. Faith doesn't come... Listen, thank God there's such a powerful presence of God that you can't stand up. But when you get up, 
and you haven't got your need met, something is amiss. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. Praise God. We used to go to church just for the feeling because that's what we were taught. I enjoy the presence of God. I employ the presence of God. But listen, friend. I know my covenant rights. I know my covenant rights. So when we read this, are we the seed of Abraham spiritually? Has His blessing been extended to us? Only amplified through the blood of Jesus? Verse 6 of Psalm 105, O seed of Abraham, His servant, you children of Jacob, His chosen ones. He is the Lord our God. His judgments are in all the earth. He remembers His covenant forever. The word which He commanded for a thousand generations. The covenant which He made with Abraham. His oath to Isaac and confirmed it to Jacob for a statute and to Israel for an everlasting covenant. Can you say, man, I've loved thee with an everlasting love and with loving kindness. I have, I've loved thee with what? Everlasting love. So what is the initial blessing of Abraham before you think about the material world? It's God setting His love upon Abraham and setting His love. When you set your love, you don't. it's not about their performance. It's about your commitment to love them anyhow. When they went into Egypt, He loved them anyhow. When they went down into Babylon and were punished, He kept loving them. And He said, because of that love, everlasting love, if you return to Me, I'm waiting. I'm ready. I'm able. I'm not going to just return to you and bring you out and bring you back. I'm going to restore your fortunes. I'm going to, I'm going to bless you as if what you did and caused all this trouble never happened. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. You don't have to pay the rest of your life for your past sins. He restores us when we come back to Him. When the prodigal come home, what, what, what happened? He got restored to sonship. What, what was the first on the list so the rest could occur? His father saw him coming along. He never quit loving him. That's it. That's it. Praise God. Willie just did this. Hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. When the prodigal came home, restoration began, and it all started with the kiss of the father, the acceptance of the father, the love of the father. He didn't expect that. It shocked him. He said, if I can just be a servant, I'm no more worthy to be called a son, but God ain't having that. Amen. When He forgives you, He forgets your sin and he begins a work of restoration in your life so he fell he ran to him the only time in my bible that said god ran this is typical of god god ran the father ran to him fell upon him kissed him loved him and because of the love that he had for him he said bring the robe the best robe and put on him don't bring the servant's garments. Bring the robe of one of my children. <laughs> Hallelujah. And bring the ring and put on his finger. And bring the shoes and put on his feet. And kill the fatted calf. For this my son that was lost is now saved. And that means he's come home. He's repented of his sin. And he's been restored to the full benefit and blessing of sonship. Hallelujah. Glory to God. 
Glory to God. Glory to God. You can't do enough penance to get what He's given you in Christ. Every year at Easter we see in the Philippines or somewhere people flagellating their back. Whipping themselves. Trying to repent of their sin, get forgiveness. It comes as a gift by grace. Hallelujah. Jesus paid for it. And that's why we love Him so much. Hallelujah. This is, O seed of Abraham, you children of Jacob. He remembers verse 80 is covenant forever. 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 Now, I want to read this very quickly and we'll receive communion. Deuteronomy 7 and verse 6. 7. 8. 9. Listen to it. For you are a holy people unto the Lord your God. That's because of a covenant. The Lord your God has chosen you. See anything like that in the New Testament? Royal priesthood, a holy nation, a chosen generation. This is covenant talk. Come on, that's covenant stuff, isn't it? You now, New Testament believer, you're a holy nation. You're a chosen generation. That we might show forth the praises of Him. That brought us out of darkness into this marvelous light. Hallelujah. For you are a holy people unto the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you to be a people for himself. A special treasure above all the peoples on the face of the earth. Does that rhyme with the peculiar people? Look at somebody say, you a special treasure. Oh, you can say it in the proper grammar. You are a special treasure. Can you say that? I knew you was going to get me on the grammar and miss the message. Back up. Forget about it. You are a special treasure. Wow. You are a special treasure. Royal priesthood, peculiar people. When I read that, I thought, Amen. I've met some real weird Christians. Can you say amen? It's not that kind of peculiar. It's a peculiarity in that you are participants in a holy covenant. And that, he said, therefore you are a special treasure unto me above all the people on the entire planet. When you come into that covenant, it segregates you and separates you from everybody else in the whole world. Amen. That, that should give you a prayer privilege. That should give you an incentive to live a separated life. Come out from, a, since you are that kind of person, hallelujah, act like it, live like it. Come out from among them, saith the Lord, and be ye separate, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you, and I'll be a father to you, and you shall be my sons and my daughters. As it is written, I will live in them, and I will walk in them. Hallelujah. Praise God. Dearly beloved, having these promises, let us cleanse ourselves from all of, of the filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of the Lord. We don't live holy to get holy. We live holy because we are holy. Amen. Oh 
My, the amens just settled down and thought, you mean I can't get holy by living holy? No, not just by living holy. You have to see that you have been made holy through the covenant that's established with God through the blood of Christ. And the reason you can't live holy to get holy without that is because the Bible said except your righteousness exceed that of the scribe and the Pharisee, you'll in no wise enter my kingdom. They fasted twice a week. They tithed everything they got. He said, you better do better than that. They wouldn't touch a man that wasn't part of the Hebrew family. They considered him unclean. They broadened their phylacteries. That's those, those pouches that they've sewed into their garments that they carried the scripture in. They made them bigger to carry more scripture. He said, it better be better than that. Can you say, man, hallelujah, hallelujah. Well, it is better than that. Can you say, man, I I believe in telling people who they are in Jesus so they can live up to who they are. Just be who you are. You're a child of the Most High God. You have a garment that is so clean. God said, Hallelujah, it's the robe of righteousness. Glory to God. Don't drag it in the dirt. It cost Jesus the cross to give you that robe. But thank God He went to the cross and He gave you that robe. Can you say, man? Oh, we Pentecostals so afraid that nobody would love Him enough to live for Him. We had to threaten people with death, threaten them with hell, Threaten them with judgment to come to try to get them to serve God. God wants you to serve Him because you love Him. Go ahead and clap. we got one clapper in here. Hallelujah. I want my wife to stay with me because she loves me. We're going to celebrate 54 years. And I'd hate to think she's staying with me because I threatened her and said, if you ever leave me, I kid you. What is the redneck version of if you love something, let it go? If it comes back, it's yours. If it don't come back, it was never yours anyway. Well, in Plant City, it reads different. If you love something, let it go. If it don't come back, hunt it down and kill it. Can you say that? I can tell you city folk don't live that end of Hillsborough County. <laughs> We're just about in Polk County. Listen to me. Hey Amen. If I didn't think my wife loved me, there would be no joy in her living with me. But to know that she wants to be with me. She gave me a big hug when I got in the other day because I'd been gone. Like, you know, after 50, almost 54 years, and I'm still getting a hug because I was gone for three hours. Just think if I was gone all day, what would happen? Can you say amen? <laughs> yeah, that's right. Amen. I got that big old hug. And my wife, and, and you know something? My wife began to waltz with me. We began to waltz. We hadn't got barely into our little hug and waltz until my dog jumped up on her first. Then he jumped up on me. And then he started saying, oh, oh, oh. And we just couldn't keep, we, we both looked down at him and I reached down. He's 35 pounds now. And he's way down there for me now. And I grabbed him. Quit it. You'll be there someday. I hope I'm around when you get there. 
Don't you, Brother Taylor, we want to live long enough to see him get old. Right? Yeah, I want to hear him say, oh, when he gets up. And say, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, ha-ha. I love you, Sean. Amen. Hallelujah. I picked the dog up. And he, he, he won't, he's kind of hyper. You know, he don't, he don't, you can't pet him like a cat. You know, he, you know what he did? Because daddy and mama are holding each other. He put his head on mama's shoulder, snuggled right down in her neck, and we waltzed. <laughs> me and her, me, me and her, my doggie. <laughs> now, that dog said he horned in on me. <laughs> He's trying to love on my mama, and he can do it all he wants as long as they include me. Can you say amen? I don't want to miss the love of God that is in Jesus Christ today. I don't want to miss an opportunity to receive a hug from Him and give a hug back to Him. I'm going to ask you a practical question before we receive communion. If Jesus manifest in the flesh, walked into this room, would you want to just bow alone? Never touch Him? Never express love and appreciation to Him? Or would you want to do what they did? Amen. Hallelujah. When they had the opportunity, when they grabbed a hold of His garments and, and, and wouldn't let Him go. When Jesus said, touch me not, it wasn't that He was still in some state of in-between glory in here. It might be something similar, but that's not what it really was. When Mary thought she had lost Him, and found out he was alive and well, when she laid hold on his garment, hallelujah, the love for him was so intense, he said, let me go, I haven't ascended to my father. You know what that meant? I can't leave unless you turn me loose. And she said, I don't want to turn you loose. She found out she could love him. Even after he ascended, she could love him because the Holy Spirit would come and manifest his personal presence in her life. She could love God and hug God. Hallelujah. And that's what the first love does. I don't want to miss out just like that dog. I don't want to miss out on the love of God. I don't want to sit and become one of those people we criticize. One of those nominal Christians without any passion or compassion. Without any enthusiasm or excitement. Without any anticipation of future good. All we can see is the big mess there is in our life and the lives of other people and the, and the life of this nation. Friend of mine, you better get your eyes off the negative. Get your eyes off what is wrong and begin to focus on what is right with the world. And what is, God loved this world. That, there's something right with this world. God still loves it. Hallelujah. i got to finish this before I shout. Verse 6 says, For you are a holy people to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you to be a people for himself, a special treasure above all the peoples on the face of the earth. The Lord did not set... This is vitally important. The Lord did not set his love on you. Set his love on you. Set his love on you. Do you see that walkway? How many walk in on a concrete walkway? Amen. Remember when that was poured when we came here? And the dear brother that was here Sunday 
that poured that concrete. He could work with concrete while it was wet. He put it in the form that he wanted it. And then he let it set up. And when it set up, <laughs> we didn't have to ask him to come pour it again. It's set. It's been there for about 13 years. <laughs> Hallelujah. Because it's set. It ain't going nowhere. Because it's set. And God said, I will set my love on you. And I did set my love. So the covenant was made in order for God to set his love on unloving, unlovable people to demonstrate the strength and power of it. Hallelujah. The Lord did not set his love on you nor choose you because you were more in number than any other people. For you were the least of all peoples. But because the Lord loves you and because he would keep the oath which he swore to your fathers, the Hallelujah. Which he swore to your fathers, the Lord hath brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you from the house of bondage. From the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, the Lord set his love on you. And he didn't do it because you were worthy of it. You had earned it in any measure or fashion. But that he might keep his oath to Abraham, your father. So he didn't just make a legal agreement. He made a love commitment. Everybody say he didn't just make a legal agreement. He made a love commitment. Did you know marriage better exceed a legal agreement? If it's going to last. A legal agreement means that in the eyes of the state of Florida, you're married. It better exceed a legal agreement. Because for $75 at a cheap lawyer's office, you could have a no-fault divorce. It's advertising the papers, probably more than that, but that's how they get you in the office. It's more. Amen. No fault. Both decide to go your way, you go your way. That's a legal agreement. It can be broken legally. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, cheaper to keep her. Oh, it's got to go beyond that. What is it? All my exes live in Texas. That's why I moved to Tennessee. Amen. That's a. Country music song, you'll hear that in Plant City. Amen. Anyway, you can hear it here too. Amen. Amen. It's got to exceed a legal agreement. Don't, don't ever go to the Word of God and not see the love of God. Don't just see legal agreements. See a God who said, I'm setting my love on you. And that's why I'm making this covenant. And look how far the agreement runs. Look how deep it goes in the Word of God. Hallelujah. That's what I love about the Lord. It's everlasting love. It's an everlasting love. He said, I will keep my covenant of love. One translation says to a thousand generations. Everybody say a thousand generations. Hallelujah. That is a metaphor. It doesn't mean that a thousand it can stop because it's everlasting love. He's using that to illustrate the endlessness of it and the strength of the covenant. Can you say amen? Do you believe our generation qualifies for this kind of love? 
Do you believe that you are loved with this kind of love? Will you stop trying to earn what is yours and live a life, hallelujah, just to say thank you every day of it for loving you that much and that deeply? Amen. Then it's a blessing to him. And it's a blessing to you. Man came to our home, and I'm going over time, but since there is no time, I can't go too far over time. But a man came to our home. He had come into a covenant. Everybody gets all excited when you say we're going to fast and pray. Most people can't keep that, their part of the, that. And when they fail, then they feel bad. They feel guilty. They don't have any faith when they pray. They feel like God don't love them because they messed up and didn't keep their end of the bargain. So he came to our home, and he actually did the tile work that is in our home. If I'd known Doug did tile work as well as he did that tile right there, I would have come and got him and drug him screaming to my house and say, do you love your brother? Do you really love your brother? (laughs) Put that tile down for your brother. I'm going to claim my brotherly love right here, right now, and save myself a hunk of money. But he is a Christian man going to a big church, and they had decided he had, you know, first the year come. How many are going to lose 20 pounds right now? Don't look, don't look, don't look, don't look, don't look. I made a resolution this year to not make a resolution so I wouldn't feel so guilty when I didn't. But I do want to do better every year of my life. Can you say, man, how many want to do better? That's something I believe we can all keep because God will help us. Praise God. So, so he came and, and he, he got ready to leave and he started talking about committing himself to pray and fast. And he said, I was in the hot sun and, and I was getting stuff out of my truck and I got lightheaded. And he said, I broke my fast. And then he said, since I broke my fast, I felt like, well, that's out the window. No need to continue to try to fast. He said, then I broke my prayer commitment. And I didn't pray every day for the time allotted that I said I was going to do it. And tears started streaming down his cheeks. He's full of guilt and full of shame. Because he felt like, how could God continue to love me when I'm such a mess up, such a foul up? He loved the Lord. That's why he was trying to keep make these commitments to, to get God to love him and accept him. And I had a real hard time. Because we can become concrete Christians. Yes, sir. You know what that means? Sounds good on the surface till you understand the difference between cement and concrete. There's a, something mixed in with the cement to make concrete. All them rocks and stuff. Thoroughly mixed and permanently set. It's a hard crowd when you're preaching to people that feel like they have earned whatever they have in Christ. And you haven't. So he loves me, but how in the world could he love you? And if he does love you at all, he don't love you like he loves me. That's dead wrong. That's self-righteousness. That's pride. Hallelujah. Listen to me carefully. God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Can you say, man? He started crying. I said, sir, I'm going to tell you something. The love that God loved you with didn't begin when you fasted long enough and prayed hard enough to earn it. It didn't begin when you got saved. It began when you were yet a sinner 
proud, rebellious, and blaspheming God. For God commendeth His love to us in that while we were yet sinners, what happened to show that He loved us while we were in that condition? Christ died for us. And greater love than this hath no man than a man would lay down his life for his friends. Hallelujah. And I said, sir, you need to go back to the cross. You need to quit trying to earn what was yours the day you got saved. Amen. And you need to let God love you. And if you broke a fast, don't quit fasting. Just start it up again tomorrow. Amen. If you can't fast a lot, fast a little bit. Hallelujah. Fast while you're working. Hallelujah. There are even, I believe when you give up a, a TV series to spend time with God, that's part of fasting. Amen. Because when you fast to be seen of men, and you tell them about how dedicated you are because you consider yourself to be. The Bible said you got your reward. You got the praise of men. But when you fast, you do it different. You go into, you, you wash your face. You don't look emaciated. You don't look tired. You don't look drug out. You look happy and energized. Amen. And God is seeing it. And God who sees in secret, just like He does prayer, rewards openly. Glory to God. Glory to God. And my shoestring is loose again, and she's praying for me that I don't trip on it. So I'm going to solve that problem. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Amen. If I'd known this was going to happen, I'd have worn my holy socks. Oh, Brother Venable, he got them holy socks. No, I got socks with holes in them. You don't understand. Can you say amen? But I do feel like I'm standing on some holy ground here today. Hallelujah. 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 Brother Vimble, you don't look the same barefooted. I know. I was short before. I'm really down there now. Can you say amen? But God is good, Terry. He keeps His covenant. A covenant of love. To a thousand generations. Hallelujah. His covenant of love. We come through the Pentecostal circuit. Your mom and daddy was down at the camp meeting where I got saved. Praise God. We come up through Pentecostal holiness. Amen. The first time we were called holy is not when we began to not, not do this and do that. The first time we were called holy is when our sins were forgiven and we were washed in the blood. Now we can live a holy life after that. Practical, personal holiness. But you can't earn what was given to you by covenant. By the blood of Jesus. You can come into that covenant. But you can't buy your way into it. You can't work your way into it. But boy, you can live a holy life to say thank you for the unspeakable gift that I have in Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. How many know that verse of amazing grace? 
was grace that brought us safe thus far. Make no mistake about it. That's how you got where you are right now. And that same grace that brought you to this point is going to take you all the way through everything you may have to face and secure your place in heaven if you keep the beginning of your confidence steadfast until the end. We're made partakers of all that Christ is and all that He has done at the cross. You can't deny Him or He will be forced to deny you. But if you keep your, the beginning of your confidence, and what was the beginning? You had nothing to offer Him except your repentance of your sin. And you received His gift of grace and forgiveness and love. And the moment He forgives you, Hallelujah. He calls you a special treasure. The New Testament just, just echoes what we just read. There are the holy nation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people. Praise God. And you are my what? Peculiar treasure above all the peoples of the earth. We have his ear. We have his ear because we have his heart. Can you say man? Because he set his love on me, I don't doubt that he hears my cry in the time of trouble. Thou, O Lord, art a shield for me, my glory, and the lifter of my head. We love him because he first loved us. We've known and believed the love that God has for us, for God is love. He that feareth is not perfected in love. Fear hath torment, but perfect love cast out how much all fear. God didn't give us a spirit of fear, but power, love. See, the Pentecostals got filled with power. I'm going to tell you something. I've lived long enough. There's just as many tongue-talking prophesying, vision-seeing, Pentecostals failing, as there is anybody else in Christendom. You didn't hear me. You don't, you don't, have you lived long enough to know that tongue-talking Pentecostals can fail? Do fail? Are failing? Some of the most appointed, anointed ministers of our generation fail. Because power doesn't keep your heart. Love does. It's not a legal document. It's not the threat of Pamela killing me. My Pamela, not your Pamela. We want to separate the Pamelas. Your Pamela would never be even upset. <clears throat> it's easy to keep a covenant of marriage with someone you love. If you love them, and that's why you don't need the Ten Commandments if you keep the Two Commandments. Because the Two Commandments fulfill the Ten Commandments. But you will never look on a wall and see the Two Commandments. You'll always see the Ten. And you know what the Ten are? Amen. They're a schoolmaster to bring us to Christ because nobody could keep them perfectly. But if you keep two based on love, the ten are automatically kept without you trying to keep them. 
If I love him, God doesn't have to tell me not to kill him. So quiet in here. I said, if I love him, God doesn't have to tell me not to kill him. If I love you, God doesn't have to tell me not to covet your wife. I don't want to take your wife from you. If I love you, Terry, God doesn't have to tell me not to come and steal your beautiful bass boat. Or whatever kind of boat it is. Can you say amen? Right? If I love you, God doesn't have to tell me not to come and steal your beautiful riding lawnmower. I've seen the last beautiful one. Boy, you use that thing up and we're still using it up. He's still using that sucker. God blessed it. God doesn't have to say, thou shalt not steal. And if you love God, God doesn't have to tell you to love Him. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Thou shalt love the Lord with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Keep those two in the tenor automatic. Hallelujah. God's not done away with it, but He's made a new way of keeping it. And the level of love between each other in Christian circles, I meet with pastors for the last seven years. Sometimes 60 strong. But I meet with four intimately. Amen. From different denominations. And one thing I'm learning, the more I interact with people and churches and pastors and family, pastor families and church families, is that our, our love life for God and for one another needs vast improvement. There are people under conviction right now. That your joy level is just dropped because you know you're short of it. God don't want you to live in that depressed state. He just wants you to rise up again. Hallelujah. And love Him back for loving you. And that's what this Holy Communion is all about is loving Him back for loving you. Then every commandment is satisfied. God is satisfied. And the Gentiles which hadn't had the law yet given to them, they were doing by nature what was contained in the law. And what nature was that? It's the love of God and love for God that was established in them. How many people want this year to quit trying to put a demand on yourself but let, receive the love that God has covenanted to love you with and just start loving Him back and serving Him better than you've ever served Him while not trying to earn anything and make no commitment that you know that you may fail and break and doubt His love now. That guy was weeping because he thought God didn't love him because his head was swimming and he ate, some, he ate some peanut butter crackers that he had in his glove compartment. And then he felt awful. The devil said, now, look what you've done. You broke your fast. You made a commitment. You broke it. Honey, love, God's love, kept Jesus on the cross. Eating those crackers ain't going to break it. Can you say, man, don't let the devil hoodwink you and hornswoggle you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And when the first love is rekindled, <laughs> hallelujah. Would, would you let God embrace you in this love? Like we pricked that little old doggy up. He was so happy. 
He was so happy. Put his head in Pamela's neck, and I thought, Lord, I started dancing with my wife, now she's dancing with the dog. Can you say amen? <laughs> Hallelujah. Wouldn't it be great if you could just let God love you like that? Just pick you up and bring you into His love covenant and love you by covenant. When I drink this cup today, God loves me. Hallelujah. A lot of people don't even like me, but God loves me. I think I can, I think I can go on anyway. Just like the thing you gave me. I almost brought it today. If I went through that, we'd be here another half hour. But there's so many. Do it anyway. Even when people don't like you, love them anyway. Praise God. When people don't love you, love them anyway. When you don't feel like praying, pray anyway. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. When you, when you feel like heaven is brass and God is distant, do the first works anyway. Go to the Word anyway. Go to prayer anyway. Sing Him praise anyway. Hallelujah. And you'll find that a flame is being rekindled within you. Glory be to God. Did you get anything out of this message today at all? Hallelujah. 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 Praise the Lord.